Welcome to episode 193 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast. We are recording on January 29th, 2023. My name is Jeff. I'm the voluntold host of the show tonight. Eric has some uh, family issues he's dealing with. I'm based in central Ontario. I'm a target shooter, ham radio operator, general overall handyman, and weather nerd. <laughs> and I'm Brad. I'm in eastern Ontario. Consider myself a part-time amateur prepper, constantly trying to better myself. Hey, I'm Mel, a second timer on this incredible podcast, and this time I brought a really good friend of mine with me. I absolutely adore anything nature and the secret she holds. Besides my green thumb, curious mind, and the love for nature, I'm an avid hunter, hippie at heart, and someone that enjoys life's adventures with an open mind, the willingness to learn and share what I know. And I am Corey. I'm just a, 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 a humble horticulturalist here to basically spread the word of permaculture self-sustainability. I like to focus more on the seed-saving aspect and the old-school ways of gardening uh, and, and agriculture. Good to see you, Corey. Welcome, Good to be Corey. here. Thank you. Yay! <laughs> My mentor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And if, I'll hype uh, you up. <laughs> if you guys want to support the show... Keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air. Buy some swag. We've got the Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirt and the tactical Velcro patch at www.prepperpodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. If you're enjoying the show, please take a few minutes and like us on Facebook and submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, just uh, or just if there's a topic you want <laughs> us to cover you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca hey it's the first time run on that one it's pretty good yeah not bad <laughs> so we've got some green content for you in this episode uh not that kind of green maybe maybe not hey. <laughs> um, blends together eh? yeah it yeah. is on the list so we're go. gonna start uh, off with some recent news uh, update our personal preps, and then we'll get into the main topic, which is getting started or figuring out your garden. So um, I'm not seeing too many news. news updates. I've got one here. Um, it's kind of a bit of a crossover, I guess, between the two podcasts. But um, to do with the war in Ukraine, that uh, Germany is now allowing um, leopard tanks to be given and put into Ukraine. I uh, put out an article in there from the BBC, and I just want to take a couple minutes and uh, read part of a note that uh, a friend of mine put on uh, on a prepper kind of group that we're on, and just kind of talks about it. And I think it's uh, I think it's a really good thing. And so, if everybody just wants to uh, bear with me for a half a second here. So his post, he basically says, um, "Have you been paying attention to the situation in Ukraine?" I hate to be the sky is falling kind of person, and I don't think we're there yet, but I think if you haven't been paying attention, you should. It is a war. Uh, now NATO countries are spending a combined, or sorry, sending a combined total of over 100 tanks, and the U.S. is committing to sending 31 more. If this is not an es escalation, I don't know what is. Don't let normalcy bias bite you in the ass. Normalcy bias is where you know of a situation that's bad or potentially bad, but you fail to act because either in your location, everything seems relatively normal or your brain refuses to register what is happening. Now is the time to prepare for long-term power outages, shortages of food, lack of medicines, 
And anybody who's been on this podcast or even been in a store knows we're already suffering from shortages of food and lack of medicine. Back, you know, with a couple of months ago, you couldn't even get medicine for your kids. Um, so, you know, last, lack of uh, or loss of water source and sewage utilities. Think about what you take for granted and ask yourself what you can do now to plan for not having that item. Um, I think the next escalation is going to be war in Europe. Uh, with today's technology, war can hit our shores by some overseas uh, computer hacker who shuts down the power grid. Uh, anybody who's yeah. been paying attention a bit to this show, that I've been kind of harping on that for a while, saying, you know, I, I'm not so concerned about an EMP or uh, maybe a, an actual nuclear war. I'm scared to death of uh, a cyber attack and cyber crimes. I mean, they've been hitting hospitals. They've been hitting pipelines. Um, so, I mean, at the end of the day, um, what we're trying to get at is, you know, don't let that normalcy bias leave you complacent. Pay attention to the evolving situation and stock up on your items and have a plan. Heck, they're even putting uh, microchips in certain uh, phone chargers now that the people can actually hack in and actually go into your phone while you're charging them and take your pictures and information. So do your due diligence a lot. Or just go hug a tree and live like a hippie because, I mean, I'm on my way there and it seems <laughs> a lot better. Those are the two options basically now, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. I, I mean, just, just my opinion. Like I say, again, this might be more for tomorrow night, but, um, you know, I think I think if Russia wanted to have invaded Ukraine and wiped them out, they would have done it already. Uh, I, I think they are taking the slow Simple numbers, you're right. Yeah, they, they just, they wanted to pull NATO into this war. NATO's like, well, we're not going to give you planes. We're not going to put troops on the ground. How many billions of dollars of rockets, missiles, ammunition, guns, armored personnel carriers, whatever, have they given to Ukraine? I mean, NATO, whether they want to admit it or not, there's already balls deep in this. So well, that's exactly it. And any and any court, right? If someone and if I lend my gun to someone to go hunting and they go commit a crime, it's my fault. Right? Yep. I'm I'm still charged all the same. I'm I'm giving them the equipment to use in in that that case. Yep. So it's one of those. You you're you're giving them the stuff. You gotta yep. be at least held accountable to some degree. Yeah. I I, I think it's only gonna be a matter of time before it it really ramps up to start to escalate, especially yep. if they start throwing tanks in there. So again, like I've said, and like uh, Kevin said in the, in his post, he put on there, just be prepared. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't sit around and wait for it to happen and then be ready to go. You, you need to be prepared. I know you've heard it from us a hundred times, but you're going to hear it 101 times. So I don't know who wrote this quote, but uh, around Ottawa, I've seen it in two different places that I can think of off the top of my head. There's a sign that says the best protection in any emergency is knowing what to do. Yep. Oh, absolutely. Yep. Yep. And yep. I think of that as I know what to do is get the stuff that I need here and try to get my friends and family to be prepared for a wide range of things, nothing particular, nothing specific, but just be prepared for a wide range of stuff. Like you said, Jeff, the cyber attacks, economic fallout, EMPs, a civil war. 
could break out here for all we know because of what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. There's a lot of Russians and Ukrainians who live here and there's a lot of people that support them or would go against either one that could start some something going on. No, it doesn't have to be Russian or Ukraine. It could just be, no. you know, pick, pick pick a side and that's it. I mean, um, there, there's going to be, yeah, it's going to be one of those things where there's going to be a line drawn in the sand somewhere. Right. Yeah. So, and that's, that's the, uh, but that goes back to always having a plan, right? I, I mean, not having a plan is planning to fail. So yeah. always being ahead of the game, one step ahead. Um, and that goes, that goes hand in hand with gardening as well. And the hydroponics that we're going to be talking about, yeah. everything sort of goes into uh, practice now while you can make yeah. the mistakes now. So that way, when it comes time, when you have the, you need it to work 100% of the time, it'll work 90% of the time, which oh, is better, which is better John. than, than, yeah. John, that's a perfect quote right there. That's exactly it. Yes, sir. I Absolutely. believe that's uh, art. Uh, the, the, is that the, art the Art of War? War? Is that it? It seems like it, yeah. I that that's from sense, the Art of War. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and there's that old saying, right? You can pull a weed, and if you get all of it, it's like ripping the spine out. It's like just like Mortal Kombat, where you're just tearing the spine out of your enemy. It's beautiful. It's get over here. It's, it's cathartic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, move on to what we've done lately for preps. Work, work, work. Eat, sleep, repeat. Do it all over again. Uh, he lies. He's on a tropical island. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. This is just my green screen behind me, right? Made That's right. He house. lies. Yeah, I'm telling you. I know him um, personally. Don't take your scrap. <laughs> I, uh, I actually was very happy that uh, I made an Amazon order. Oh, yes, Amazon. Uh, bought a canning book. And it came in today. Excellent. It's just sitting over there. I can't reach it. You didn't um, order two? No, I figured I'd try one. If it wasn't good, I'll throw it out and I'll try another one. I meant for me. <laughs> just, just yeah, you, live, you live, what, 11 kilometers from me? No big deal. Corey's not that far from either of us either, no. so no big deal. He probably has a pressure canner. Oh, I do. <laughs> See? I do. But that's the thing. I mean, you can't always rely on, on, on the power to be there. So it's not the pressure canner you got to worry about. It's all the hot baths and stuff, too. Yeah. That's yeah. valid. Um, yeah. So I, I got that book, um, added a few things to stockroom. Unfortunately, I'm still waiting on my pal to come in. Uh, cleaned my Berkey today, the, the filters, the whole thing. Took it all apart, cleaned it, put it all back together. She's working fine. And uh, yesterday I played with a couple of new pieces of uh, equipment over at Pierre and Melissa's house. That was kind of fun. Never Learned some new things. You specifically said toys in your notes, I so I was going to jump all over that, but... <laughs> you should have. <laughs> to some, there are toys. To other, there are equipment. They were in our bedroom alone. Just saying. Yeah, but the door was open, so it doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I did get uh, pineapple juice. Not from me. <laughs> so I just did a little bit of food prep and a little bit of fuel rotation. Uh, now that we've got some snow, I'm spending the vast majority of my time uh, out in my happy place, believe it or not, outside in the cold, grooming snowmobile trails. So I'm an avid rider. I want, I want trails to ride on, so I have to go out and do it myself. So. Whatever works. Oh, it did. You got to earn it. I was going to say, right. do it right the first time, right, Jeff? Absolutely. 
There you go. Once you set that good base, man, it's it's easy sailing just to maintain it. Yeah, that's been the problem, obviously, with the, all the warm and everything was we just kept yeah. losing the base. And some of our trails we can't open. I, I did pop through a swamp the other night. Nothing big, but you wouldn't want to try and take a snowmobile over it yet. So yeah. we got to wait for the cold, which is coming. But so. uh, yeah, the next few couple of days supposed to be about minus 30 where we are. So. Yeah. I think Friday is hitting minus 30 and then it's going yeah. like right up back up again to like yeah. ridiculous. So oh. taxes hurt at work right there. <laughs> That's right. Kim trails. I mean, garden planning has been one of my thing, obviously since we're going into this podcast. So I figured I might as well get a little bit of a head start. Um, I am downgrading what we are planning on doing this year, just in case we do end up buying or building a house. So I'm focusing more on my herbs because we do have a rabbit and um, we're getting into wanting to raw feed our dogs. So I want to make sure that I do have the stuff that's needed for that. Um, we're doing are more. The, are you prepping the crock pot for Rudy? Well, I mean, it's personal size. I gotta go <laughs> see Corey for the other one. So I mean, <laughs> but we've been doing more house organizing. Oh my God. Organization again, just cause like, again, we don't know if we're moving or not. So we just want to make sure that everything is organized. And if shit does hit the fan, it just makes things a lot easier. Plus we have been really focusing on making sure that we have what we like and what we will be able to survive off and not kill each other. Cause we're, you know, hungry and grumpy cause we're eating stuff like canned beans and peas that we don't really enjoy. Well, peas I enjoy, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, wedding stuff as usual. I got to watch uh, Pierre and Brad clean our new equipment. So, I mean, that was fun. But I got to make a new t-shirt. So, I can design a few. That worked. Excellent. So, yeah, what no, did you been, do, Corey? Uh, no, no, just getting some seeds ready. Now, now is a great time to actually uh, go through your inventory of seeds, see what you got, uh, get a plan going for your garden. That way, if you need to actually order any seeds, go to... Uh, you know, trade if you want to have a friend to trade and barter with, fantastic. Uh, now is a good time to get the plans out there. Um, get your oh yeah, and get the actual <laughs> uh, no the, the 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 hard seeds that you need instead of just going through the books and saying oh that would look nice. Huh? Let's try that. That'll be fun. Now is time to get your you know where the rubber meets the road. Get everything now so when you have time to plant and it's time to plant, you can just go. So that's what I was doing. I actually have a CD, uh, a CD Saturday, I think, in Brockville, and I was getting a whole bunch of packs. I think I have about a fifty packs or so of the uh, the three sisters. So I'm going to be handing those out um, just to get people a little bit more aware of gardening, get them into something that's simple uh, and has a little bit of heritage to it, a little bit of history, and it's a little story that people can tell if someone comes over to their house. Uh, they can just tell them, "Oh yeah, I planted the three sisters," and so forth and so on. We're going to touch base on that too. I have, yep. I did note that later on in uh, the companion planting section because it is a very interesting thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Mm. Well, so, that, um, then, oh. go ahead. No, I was going to say, I guess, if, unless you had something else to add, I was going to move on to the uh, main topic. Okay. Well, with that, we'll move on to the main topic. Um, for me, it's how not to kill plants. I don't know about <laughs> anybody else. But for me, yeah, uh, I get that, I get that a lot. <laughs> So uh, I'll turn it over to our uh, two resident experts, uh, Mel and Corey, and uh, have a go at it. All right. Well, first and foremost, yeah, it's, it's, you don't know. It's not that you kill plants. It's you're finding out ways that they don't want to live. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> you got to put the positive spin on it, right? It's, it's okay, not that, yeah, enough, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it, it, that's the whole thing. Gardening is just a big experiment. Uh, what works for some people doesn't work for everybody. 
So to sit there and say you kill plants, no, you're finding out how not to make it live. <laughs> There's a huge gap there. All right. Uh, well, gardening can be frustrating. It can be absolutely overwhelming. It can be very um, defeating. Right. You just want to give up. You don't really want to deal with it anymore. Then the weeds come into play. Uh, you yep. work all this time, blood, sweat, tears, and you get a tomato that's this big. Right. Um, <laughs> but all of it comes back to you just have to listen to Mother Nature because uh, we've missed that part. We're forgetting this part now where we have to pay attention to the signs that Mother Nature is telling us, to the signs that the earth is telling us. We're not reading those signs anymore. We just expect them to, you know, to happen because they happen on an app. Right, we have a game that's a gardening game on an app, and it just works. So why doesn't it work in real life? It takes a little bit more than than just uh, clicking buttons. You have to actually pay attention and sort of ground yourself to Mother Nature again. Yeah, again, that's where that 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 whole hippie thing comes into play yeah. because it is a big part. Like it really, truly is. Like uh, just to touch base before we get into this, but like I was actually doing research on the um, I forget what the technical name is, but it's basically taking a stick and wrapping copper wire on it, and you shove it in the ground to help the plants because again, our Earth corrects its uh, makes its own energetic energy, and that feeds the plants, and they have their own. And I know it sounds really spiritual and hippy dippy, but look into it. I'm telling you. Well, even just the even just the copper alone, it will react with the soil, and it will probably yeah. allow some micronutrients out of it. Uh, that's going into territory that's a bit out of my expertise, but uh, any, anything that goes into the soil and then gets wet will react with that soil. So if you're putting a yeah. copper pipe in the soil, uh, you're right. You're gonna obviously increase the copper. Uh, you might even increase the iron, the zinc, whatever the case may be, whatever the uh, the metal compounds are, right? Same All as of hormones those in a, Same as a hormone in body, right? Once you put exactly. something out of play, yeah. So. That's one of those things where, again, it's it's all about reading what the soil needs, and and after that, it's making small, minor adjustments. But it's fun. It's a it's a a big connect the dots game that you don't know what the end of the picture is going to be, and you never will. It's fantastic. It is because again, like just like the hydroponics portion of it, right? Um, it's almost the same thing in the soil. Like you still have what is the city putting in your water? What does your well have in in its water that you're feeding your plants? What does your rainwater have? How how are you collecting that rainwater? Is it coming off your roof? You know, a thousand birds shit on your roof, and now you're getting that into your rainwater. And how's that affecting your plants too? Like it does play all in effect, and you have to watch stuff like that too because when you're ingesting that, you're ingesting what your plant has taken in as well. It's again yep. like the human body. Right, and that's one so. of the big reasons uh, hydroponics is a bit of a, uh, a touch and go with a lot of old school gardeners. Because again, the, uh, the the soil sort of takes away most of that. Uh, what would it be? Biohazard from from animal waste, right? It sort of filters it through. But when you're just taking rainwater, like you said, off your roof, and it's not filtered, then you're putting that into a container, and you're saying, "Oh, I'll just use this for aquaponics or hydroponics, rather." Uh, that's where problems start to happen. That's where waterborne diseases, and that's where you can get very sick. So it's it's much like canning, right? You got to be very careful. Uh, botulism is a hell of a thing. Yes, it is. So and that's it, 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 it all goes together. You just got to pay attention. And even mm -hmm. like you touch base on the aquaponics as well, they, they, you no. can use that into your hydroponics as well and using tapioca fish that they nutrient. But if they get sick, and that filters into your plants. Now you're potentially catching what they, so it's all, it's again, like you said, it's all an experiment and that's why you want to yeah. really start small on, yes. uh, on a small scale because you can end up <laughs> getting yourself into trouble and you don't want to. And again, that's the same thing. Like, um, you know, with soils, you got to be careful because the one thing, like I am a medical cannabis licensed grower. And the one thing that I, I, I was doing as a mistake was I was actually putting uh, shrimp casings, castings, 
in yep. my soil because of the nutrients, but you don't want to do that in the house. Because when that breaks it down, now you're releasing different things into the air. And when you're playing with the soil, you're introducing that into whatever. And I didn't mm -hmm. know that until I talked to my local place that, you know, specialize in that. And they told me that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, you're altering the soil on a, on uh, because it's not a, like a, a big, large area, right? It's more of a condensed area. Anything you do to that soil is going to be extreme. So say yeah. you're adding eggshells and you add, you know, 24 eggshells. Well, the, now the calcium in the soil is going to be through the roof. Which right? can be potent to the plant. Ex exactly. Right? If you're adding, if you're adding blood meal every day, your nitrogen is yeah. going to be just skyrocketing, but your phosphorus and potassium are going to be next to nothing. So it's all about balance. And again, it is. your, your leaves, your plant, they'll, they'll all tell you these things. It all just takes the time to actually st the old stop and smell the roses. Exactly. Stop. No, I, just, I've just stop. Look at it, and the plant will tell you. If you see the plant's wilty, the plant's yellow, maybe it needs some water, maybe it's lacking some nutrients or deficiencies, then you go and you read a book, right? And you find out, like, oh, there's uh, there's little, like, uh, mold spots, right? There's, there's uh, the leaves are falling just, off and they're I wilty. just call Corey. Hey, well, it's one of those <laughs> things. I, I've made enough mistakes that I've helped enough people. It's, uh, I like to say I'm, I'm not the smartest guy. I have the confidence to know I know nothing, Right. Yep. But I'm humble enough to know that I know enough. So I've made enough mistakes in my time. Well, I've made enough mistakes in my time to to save people the hassle and the headache. Now, that being said, there's millions of ways to do stuff. My way is not the way it's a way. So if I tell someone to do something or if I say this is a great way to do it, that's not the only way to do it. It might not work for you. It might work for someone else. It might work for me because. Uh, yeah. And again, like I said, like that to me and my beliefs, that comes down to the uh, spirituality, the attachment you have, right? If you're not energetically there, and again, it also falls on the more mundane aspect of things that like, if you're more knowledgeable, right? Like it, it, it's just one of those things that like just trial and error. Like, yep. I don't know, like, as, like Brad can contest to this. Like I had over like $1,500 worth of plants in my house. My house was like a goddamn like jungle. I had things <laughs> growing, house, like you name it. And then the one thing that killed my stuff is spider mites. Because someone, I'm, ah, in our, yes, yes, in our Aphid rental, someone, someone in our rental decided to try one year to grow marijuana. Well, they introduced them into here, so now, well, they attack everything, but like mm -hmm. three different types of plants I have. So, and I'm, anyways, that's like a whole different other thing. For yeah, that, well, that, that causes yeah, so, a uh, yeah, that's a that, that's a triggering action, is what that is. Yeah, because <laughs> uh, so like they, let's. No, I was going to say, let's let's touch on uh, a couple of the, the growing methods. Uh, I guess you mentioned hydroponics and and maybe uh, soil. What's the best soil mixes, you know, depending on where you live, what type of soil you have, uh, what soil, you grow, that, that kind of stuff. So I would really recommend you to be very careful to watch what kind of soil you do get at, um, at your local stores because like that, a lot of that stuff, I, I personally don't find it's good. You can really mix your own with like, um, uh, what's the one, uh, I'm trying to think of it. Like you could do cocoa fiber or coconut fibers. Yep. You can add your lye into there. You know, you can make your own uh, with the perulite and, and sand and different rocks. Even the clay uh, lava stones are really good too. You can add that into your actual soil if you're doing indoors. 
because it allows just for drainage because you want to mimic whatever the plant grows into. And that's the same thing with hydroponics. Again, with hydroponics, you can use the basket. There's the foam inserts that you can do. You can even use the lava stones within that too. And the best thing about the lava stones is that once you're done with them, you rinse them, re-sanitize them, and then you're good to go again all over again. So, and that's the other thing when you're, especially being on a prepping podcast, that's one thing that's very uh, important is that something that you can always reuse, especially for long periods of time. So that is something to think about. So, and the biggest thing with hydroponics is you want to always make sure that you are constantly changing your water so that you, again, you don't end up with that any problems. That is the one big thing. And just like soil, you want to watch what you're doing inside your house. You don't want to have anything that's going to decompose or decay because it's going to release a lot of stuff outside. Completely different story. So Completely how often then would you rotate the water in your hydroponics? It should be two I, to three weeks, depending on. You got to keep I a close eye. It. I overdid it and did it every week just to get into that habit. But I mean, I have OCD when it comes to everything. So Not I just thing. really... No, so I just like took it like that, and you got to make sure you, you got to watch out. Don't over nutrient, and just take it slow, like Corey was saying. And I always, my biggest thing was I was overwatered. That was I gave too much love to my plants. So just <laughs> watch what your plants do. But, well, and that's that that that's a, actually a, a very common thing is the overwatering. Plants, if you overwater a plant, look at it this way. I mean, they they get lazy, right? So if there's always water there the roots are going to stay at the surface because they don't have to work really hard for it. Okay. Now say you, uh, you water once every two weeks, once every week or so, depending on the, the humidity in your house, mm -hmm. those okay. roots. Now you, if, especially if you bottom water, those roots have to go down deep. They got to, they actually have to work for the water. Yeah. Okay. And that's going to create a more, a more vigorous plant, a healthier plant because the roots are now going to go down deeper and they're going to reach out further instead of just staying at the top. And if you that's add a fan, if you add a fan to that as well with bottom watering, you actually build a stronger stock, which yep. will give you a better better base for your plant as well. So that being said, we'll go back to hydroponics real quick. Now, the like I said, I'm more of a heritage guy. I've dabbled into it a little bit. I've personally found that the the setup, the content, uh, the content, uh, sorry, the, the the maintenance that you have to do, it's basically a, a constant thing you got to pay attention to because it's always about testing the water, making sure that the the nutrients is always the it's there checking to see if there's any microbes bacterias things like that i don't have time for that people do i mean it's great for city people and things like this it's great to experiment and try um but for me i was more soil soil the dirt that's pretty much my my take on it uh, but again aquaponics high hydroponics it's not a new thing it's been around since the pyramids and and the hanging gardens of babylon yeah, which is epic. Um, we should move into the uh, seeds since everybody's pretty well got a bit of a thing. And I see some questions coming up. We'll get to them as well. We're not. For, I'm not forgetting about them. Um, during this cold season, what plants do you recommend to start? Right now, you're looking at because uh, it's it's still early, right? It's still early. But if you're looking at things, brassicas are a good thing. They they like to get started early. Broccoli, cabbage. Um, Anytime you want to start lettuce, it's never a bad idea because you can always take those microgreens and those lettuces and you can chop them up early. They might take a bit of time to get going. Put them in the windowsill, though. Uh, and if it, it's just any way to save a buck, okay? Now, yeah. saving seeds from those, those are going to be a bit of a hassle, so don't count on that. But it's just for the fact if you're ever in a pinch and you need something, lettuce anytime. Absolutely. But right now, if you if you want to start something and you want to get a head start, you are kind of early still in zone five. Uh, everywhere else is uh, is out of, again, out, out of my range right now. 
I, I can help you, but I'll take a bit of time to read it. But zone five, you're, you're sort of uh, ahead of the game. You need yeah. about so another month or so. About another month or so? I was yeah. just going to ask what time would be a good time. I would say, yeah, March. March is when you'd want to try and start maybe your, um, your hot peppers. Because the hot peppers take a bit more time than your sweet peppers. And yeah. anything to do with your, your brassicas, because they, they can handle the cold. Um, and that, and anything, that's, yeah. those, are, those are classes cold crops. And they, some of those yeah. can actually hand up over the winter as well, all yep. depending on how you um, You can cover them, you can them. bury them. Yeah. Kale, kale especially. Um, Brussels sprouts. I, I know Brussels sprouts almost need a frost before they get nice and sweet. Otherwise, they're just too bitter. That's so things, things, yeah, know. things along that nature where, you know, the, the brassicas can handle it. They can, they, they, they almost like it, uh, to the points where onions as well. Onions, start them early, get them in there. Um, cause they, the they can be garlic. Garlic should have been planted in, uh, November, October, November. Oh shit. So like what latest, what latest November. Okay, my, cool. my, my, my rule of thumb. I like to do this. It's a bit late though, but I like to get it in before Halloween because garlic keeps the vampires away. (laughs) That's cute. That's a good way to remember it though. Yeah. When that's exactly it, it's all these little tricks, right? So it's, it doesn't really matter, but you want to try and get it in before the soil freezes uh, or you can get it out early, right? As the, the, the soil is workable and you can do that same with your carrots. um, Basically anything that, that can handle the cold uh, asparagus, things, things of that nature. The one thing I do recommend that I tend to do, or maybe even suggest more so than recommend, um, I always start a small batch and I wait a week or two and start another batch so that you're always having a bit of a crop come up and you're not having everything come out at once. Because let me tell you, that's over, so overwhelming. It's unreal. Trust me, I get that every year with my cannabis and I just mm-hmm. like, that's all I have to say. Yeah, but it well, happens. Mm-hmm. But like, you want to take that space in between to get that going too. Yep. And no, and that's the other thing too with companion planting. We'll, we'll touch on that too. Where if you pull up a plant, you kind of need another plant to put in there, right? Otherwise, you just have this void, that's this valid. big vacant spot. So we'll you get get to touch on that as well. But absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, to so, touch back and kind of oh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. No, I was no go go ahead, and then I'll 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 ask. Oh no, go ahead because I was going to transfer into the seed part. So go ahead. Well, that, that might be part of it. What I, what I was going to ask is if you're starting something indoors, um, can you more or less start almost anything you want indoors or is there only stuff that there are some things that you need to start outside? Some things don't, yeah. Some things don't like to be started inside. Some things don't like to be tampered with. Um, beans are a big one. Uh, beans just prefer to be put outside. Peas. Uh, there are people that do peas. I've seen people do peas in like um, like an east trough, right? But then they slide it out the, the, of the entire east trough, and it's like they're not being touched. They don't like to be transplanted at all. So there are some things that prefer just to be planted in the ground. Uh, so it's always nice to actually read, and that's a big thing too. When you get the seed packs, read what you're planting because it, yeah, it, it'll tell you yeah that, it's it's simple as that it'll tell you the seed spacing it'll tell you the depth that the seed has to go now obviously they are they're talking about ideals i'm not going to sit there with a, a measuring tape or a ruler <laughs> to make sure i put the seed an eighth of an inch in the ground Jeez, murphy you know who has time for that but it's just a nice little guideline for anyone who um just it's it gets it in the back of your main or your your brain rather 
And then you start to just remember, oh, wait, they, they don't like to be transplanted. They don't like to be touched. They like to be left alone. Uh, pumpkins, right? You, you can start pumpkins in a greenhouse and all this stuff, but transplanting them, there's going to be more of a shock to their roots than just planting them outside. Yeah. And the one thing I've noticed, too, is growing peas inside the house, your, your stock is so thin compared yeah. to what you get outside. It's unbelievable. It's almost like they go into some sort of shock. And well, nothing's better than mother's milk. Sunlight is, is key, and if it's it that that's it's God. It is no, it very well is, and like no matter, like I don't I don't care how much you sit there and say that oh well grow lights like let me tell you you can't get a hundred percent of what you're getting from the actual real sun into your house. You can try, but it doesn't work the exact same. Like well, there's a reason you have to harden off your plants when you put them outside because it's just not the same. Too. Yeah. So, quick question for you, Corey. Shoot. Um. You were saying the peas in the eaves trough. Yeah. So if I planted them in the eaves trough, like obviously you get a good soil mix, cover yep. off both the ends so that nothing falls out, plant them in there, correct spacing, whatever. How long, like how tall should they be? And then they, slide them into the they ground. Gotta be, they're just enough that they're actually past the cotyledons. So once they actually have the true leaf. Okay. okay. So once yep. they're once they're past that first stage, they got a good root base. They're actually getting nutrients to the soil. It's going up the stalk. You know that they're they're going, right? Yeah. You want to just take one of those ends off, like you put on, so the soil yep. doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Dig a yep. trench that's the same size as your east trough, and then slowly push them out. Huh. All right. So as, and then basically it just slides out like a like a you know a, like a like yeah. a sausage out of a casing. Yep. And then it all just goes in the ground. You bury it up. The, 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 really, if you do it right, the roots don't even know they were touched. So should I, the, the little trough that I make in the ground. Should, should be the I same it, size as the eaves trough. Well, I was just going to say, like, I shouldn't make it any deeper than the eaves trough. Nope. So when I put it in, Never. I, I don't cover. You, you, that, that's the thing. As, as soon as, as that little, little sprout goes, these aren't potatoes. These are peas. Yeah. So yeah. Once, you, once you get to that point, right, that's where the plant wants to be. If you cover okay. that up, you're going to be asking for disease, uh, any bugs that want to come along, cutworms, for example, they might come along and just nip that and you're done, right? Now, you might get lucky, but at the same time, where that plant spirits up from the soil, that's where the plant wants to be. There are exceptions to the rule, but that's, oh, yeah. that's usually how it goes. Sweet. Good thing I got my eavesdrop done last year and I kept the hey, old ones. There oh. you go. See, re <laughs> repurpose, reuse. <laughs> Prepare. Oh, prepare <laughs> and then we do know that like with seeds that there is a few different ways to start we did touch base on a few of them like we do have cold germination which you know it, it has to legitimately be shoved in your fridge freezer outside and forgotten about obviously you can't do it in freezing cold winter weathers let's be honest but like stuff like strawberries and lavender are key things to actually cracking them and actually i'll admit something i actually found that out tonight when i was doing research for this podcast because I was always wondering why my uh, lavender seeds would never crack. Now I know why. You must score them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so besides um, good, we've already talked straight to soil, like peas and pumpkins. They love just going right to soil, starting their roots from there. You also have light germination, like tobacco and cigar. And what I mean by light um, germination is the fact that you legitimately can take, like, those peat moss cups and you touch the seeds, put it to your soil, and let it go. Spray your water on it and just let it grow because they need that light to actually crack the shell and start their things up. So, hmm. yep. Yeah. She tells no lies. No, we don't. 
And again, for, for any type of germination, you can always do the good old trick, especially like when I do uh, cannabis. I use a paper towel. You wet it. You I'm throw sure. it in the fridge. It cracks the uh, seeds. I've also done cannabis, too, where um, I've actually created heat or humidity instead of the cold because, again, like Corey said, experiment. So, I mean, I've gotten a good crack rate regardless. Um, and a good trick that I've always used is soak my seeds in hydrogen peroxide just to kill off anything on the outside because, again, I am ingesting this to my lungs most of the time. Um, what else do I have here? Uh, cinnamon for seedlings is actually good too because the uh, antimicrobial and bacterial and fungal stuff that they have and also for seedlings. Now, the one thing I did find out with cinnamon with seedlings is you can overdo it with cinnamon and it will choke the, uh, the stalk and the roots out. So, so are you saying you, live, you actually know that? put cinnamon in the soil? I legitimately take it and I just lightly sprinkle it on top and I just water as normal because when you're, when some of them, especially with warm germination, you're creating that heat, that environment. So mm -hmm. mold's easy to come out and you get like that white fuzzy mold, which I mean isn't dangerous or anything, but I personally don't like to see anything moldy and me put it in my ground. I don't like to deal with that. So again, OCD. But yeah, I Fun guy is good guy, huh? Come on. So, depending, <laughs> depending. There's some bad stuff out there. But like, um, the, I find the cinnamon actually will uh, decrease that for me as well. So, oh, and with the warming mess, and with the warming mess that you can use to help with germination and even growing, depending on what you're growing, you can like with the ones I have, I can adjust my temperature, and I even have a humidity thing. I got a whole air system filter stuff with my tents and everything. So, hmm. yeah. Well, it's a big thing because again, you have to know what you're growing, right? And you're talking about growing yeah. growing cannabis. It's a tropical plant. I mean, it's yeah. it's a weed. It, they call it a weed for a reason. It doesn't take much to grow. You can put it in pretty much anything, right? But it is a tropical plant. It loves humidity. It loves the hot weather. So doing a heat mat, right? You're going to increase your germination, and it's going to actually explode on you if uh, if you do it proper. Yes, I've seen that happen too because I've yeah. experimented. I've messed with uh, well, actually by accident, I messed with my light my lights too. When it comes to, because again, you're trying to mimic the outside when you grow into something like a tent, right? And I messed up my growth cycles for cannabis. So I ended up with short plants. But like, let me tell you, the crystals on them are amazing until the spider mites got a hold of them. But other than that, like, it, it was just cute to see like this little plant, but like it was big, bushy and whatever. So it, it's just really cool to see how when you manipulate something, how it actually like reacts back to it. So, so here's a question. Um, I don't, so I got an arrow garden for Christmas. So that obviously, I mean, you know what that is. You yep. put that at the light and that. Yep. Can I use the that to start to grow something and then transplant it? Or because that's a different light from a sunlight, would it mess it up? Or, or am I best to just go with the arrow garden and. What you have it? there is a small hydroponic station. That's all it is. Okay. Exactly now it, is. it it has a grow medium all the same because the seeds need at least a grow medium so they don't just get flushed out into the water. Mm -hmm. After all that's said and done, you're going to have a solid root mass at the bottom of that. Now th those roots, they don't care if it's water. They don't care if it's soil, as long as there's nutrients that they can get. Now the difference is with, with water is it's readily available, right? They'll just suck up the water with the nutrients. When it's in soil, it's a little bit more, um, it's more difficult because it might not be in all the spots at once, right? The, the roots might have to go out and venture for it. And uh, that's why you're going to have a slower growth rate. Maybe not have a, a, a 
what's the word, healthier plant or a bigger harvest. When it comes to hydroponics, you're going to have everything controlled, okay, for the most part. So that being said, you can take those plants that you grew in your, your hydroponic setup and move them right outside. As long as they're being hardened off properly, they're going to take right off and just go. That's key. Hardening yeah. is key. Because again, but you, like yeah, you're that's it. You got to harden them off. Yeah, because like you're, you're again, you're, you're playing God, if you will, to the plant. So with the type of uh, artificial light that you're giving it, it's going to go into some sort of shock. And expect your plant to go into shock. It's okay to go into shock. It's okay to see die off. It's okay. As long as your plant is re-coming back, you're good to go. Like you just just watch it because it's got to go through its life cycle anyways, right? Yeah. Well, what, hardening what, off. What do you mean when, when you said hardening it? Yeah, I was going to say hardening off is a process all in itself. I mean, that's more of a, that is probably where my stress goes through the roof because it could be one day, right? Hey, buddy. could be one day <laughs> where, you know, all of a sudden the weather changes and your plants are outside and you think it's going to be a nice night and it drops down to minus four. Well, game over, right? Or all of a sudden you're outside and it's supposed to be a cloudy day and then the sun comes out and the UVs at seven, your plants are burnt, right? So uh, the best way to do this, if you're having plants inside and you're growing them inside, you're starting with indoor lights, keep a fan on them for one, if they're inside. Uh, that wind is going to create a little bit of a natural effect and it's going to create a bit of a stronger stock because they are, you know, waving back and forth in the wind. There's going to be that natural motion where they got to get a little bit sturdier base, right? Once you move them outside, keep them in the shade. Don't do it for a whole day. Maybe start for like two hours, uh, but keep them in the shade. And then you want to slowly progress your time that they spend outside. You know, I, that's why cloudy days are great. They're fantastic, but you got to try and keep them in the shade. Maybe put them in the sun for an hour, depending on the sun, uh, keep an eye on them. If you see them start to wilt, bring them in. Don't even play that game. If the sun's too hot, keep them in. Try to keep it whereas the UV is as low as possible. Uh, that way the, the shock to your plant is minimal. I mean, there's going to be a shock to your plant. It'd be like living your entire life inside and then taking a step outside. The sun's going to be bright, right? You're going to feel it. You're going to know. The so, one trick. Oh. No, and that's, it, 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 it's all about just taking your time because all that time that you're putting into this now where you're planning, uh, you're, you're preparing, you're watering. It could all go out the window in 20 minutes. It can, yeah. And the one thing I do, a trick that I do use is uh, we have a lot of burlap because we hunt. So I do use the burlap, especially if the UV is really high yep. or if the sun, whatever. I just kind of cut between because they still need to adapt to the heat and the atmosphere. Because, again, pulling from your house to outside is completely different so i mean it all plays in a part i know it sounds silly but it it, it really does it really does no and again that's something that everyone should practice i mean if you even if you just do uh if you just do that just to practice hardening them off and you don't even plant them in the garden it's a fantastic way to understand what you have to do if the situation goes south because a lot of people will lose a lot of produce i i would have to say in just that transition alone, if they don't fully understand, uh, you know, going from a controlled climate environment to mother nature's at her full force. And it works the same way too. Like if you're taking deck plants off your deck back into the house for the, for the, oh, yeah. the winter, yeah. it's the same thing. You got a hard on, I guess you can say. Yeah. On this yeah. Put them in a dark corner and see what happens. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're going to regret ever coming inside and they're going to resent you ever touching them. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. They're going to get all types of angry. Um, 
uh, to answer Darius's question here, um, what is the best option for people in apartments who have limited space? Honestly, get it on your walls. I get love this window. question. I love this question because everyone always says, I don't have space. I was like, no, you don't. You, what you're lacking is the imagination. All right. You can yeah. grow in anything, anything, anything. You can grow in tubes. You can grow in two liter bottles. You can grow in old work boots. As long as the water will drain out of it, you can put dirt in it and grow something. All right. You can you can take those tubes, like Corey was saying, and put them on your wall. You can even run hydroponics on your yep. wall with those PCP piping. You just need to put it on an angle and have a drum, and then have a Rubbermaid bucket with a pump that comes back up and filters the water. Like it's that simple. People just don't take a second to think outside the box. That's right. Right. The only like limit is your imagination. You got to just anything that you think that you can do. But chances are gardening. But here they're saying they want to be inside the box. <laughs> but no, that would be the, the, the best. Yeah, exactly. Trellis, wall hangers, uh, hanging baskets. Um, Live there's, walls. Yeah, li living walls. But again, living walls, it's a, that is a, a process if you have it the is, time for but... it. If you, if you just want something as simple as, I mean, there's um, you get Home Depot buckets. Right. And you make a little pyramid in, in, in the, the corner where you have three and then you have two and then you have one. Right. It's like a little tiered system and you can have yep. little holes where you water one at the very top and that filters down into the two. And then that two will filter into the four and you're off to the races. You can have everything that you want. Uh, I mean, you obviously wouldn't be able to grow watermelons and things like that in an apartment, but you wouldn't Come need on, to. Why not? Oh, you could try. Absolutely. Don't don't say you can't. But if you're just looking at the at the minimalistic things, you'd want your tomatoes, your peppers, uh, some herbs, things that you can take readily, can preserve. Lots of tomato sauce, right? Because yep. uh, in the end, carbs king. Spaghetti's going to rule, right? And you can't just eat that plain. Um, <laughs> to answer Darius's next question before we go off to the next thing, with cats. Get rid of the cats. That. Because they belong in a barn. <laughs> they belong in a I'm sorry. I love you, Darius. But yes, they belong in a barn in my mind. Um, no, but in all seriousness, make sure you research what plants are okay for cats. Because if they do get a hold of them, the last thing you want to do is, is, is harm your cat, right? Like, at the end of the day. But um, they're assholes and they will get into your plants if they want to. So you can yeah. try putting up netting or something around it it may look um what's the word i'm looking for cluttered or whatever but if it's working for you and you got a food source inside your house that's all that matters at the damn end of the day right like function over fashion yeah exactly yeah. i mean there's been stories of people using plastic forks and things like this but then i've seen pictures of the cats laying on the plastic forks right <laughs> or the tin foil the sticky so tape or it anything. really all depends on your cat i think um, but I think after a while, once the, you know, or, you know, even just a spray bottle, the old fashioned spray bottle full of water, the cat's doing something you don't like, just hit it with the water. Eventually it'll learn. And if it doesn't learn, there's always the get rid of the cat. <laughs> yeah. So just to jump in, since we're talking about home stuff, um, there's a few things that I did write down tonight that you can actually just take from your house that some people most of the time have in their house to use for pretty well anything when it comes to the plants like coffee coffee is a great source of nitrogen it has some potassium and phosphorus in it and it's also slow releasing and yep, if you again back to the gods. exactly and back to like the cinnamon again if you when you letting it dry out sprinkle some cinnamon over it to once again aid in that mold so you don't get that because again you don't want to introduce that to your plants and a lot you of uh, a lot of those things too will actually ward off some pests like coffee cinnamon uh they're very 
repugnant, potent smells to a lot of these critters. So it'll keep a lot of the chipmunks and the the squirrels, uh, like that, all the ones that that you don't want in your garden. It should keep them away, or at least you know give you another barrier too. Yeah, and now so, that you've touched that, so oh. quick question: coffee grounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how would I store them? Like, if I started to save my coffee grounds now. What should I do to them to make them not mold by the time I use them on my plants? Tray or, pl- or, tray or plate, let it dry out, and then store them in a mason jar. That's exactly Ziploc, it. vacuum what? seal bag. Because basically what, you, what you're using the coffee for is mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Right, yeah. It's done. But that's like saying, uh, well, I just bled this chicken. What do I do with the blood? Well, you can either put it in a hole or you can let it dry so it becomes a powder. Right, and then you use that as blood meal. It's all the same as coffee grounds. You just basically dry it out, then you can pummel it up, do whatever you got to do, sprinkle some on. It's all the same at that point. It's just a, it's just an organic fertilizer. Mel, can I borrow a dehydrator? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, Darius, wait, uh, wait. So you use coffee yes, grounds will. will work for yep. planting. Yes, they will. Mix it, it in it, the soil. It, it increases the, the, the nitrogen, but you got to be careful not to do too much because then uh, if you have too much nitrogen, it almost becomes, um, what's the, well, there's, there's this theory about the law of minimums. And if there's too much of one thing, it can't suck up everything. So the, yeah. it's only the, the, the least, the least nutrient, right? So if you have nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, if your potassium's at a 30% and that's your lowest, that's all the plant can take up. So the best idea, right, this is just a theory, but the best idea is to try and get everything at a nice even, we'll say 60%, 70%, cuz you'll never get anything at 100%. It just won't happen cuz they're always going to be counteracting each other. Uh, there'll be decay and just, you know, life goes on. So there's always going to be fluctuations. So you try your best just to try and make it as even as possible. Uh, but by adding a whole bunch of uh, blood meal or coffee grounds, you're increasing the nitrogen so much so that you're actually going to burn yeah. your plants. And and to balance it, like he's asking now, um, it's just honestly start off with the soil mixture. And if you want touch base with me, and I can give you a mixture to start off with. But just start off with that. Like I actually, okay, I cheat the system at times. I yeah, buy these Gaia. are good questions. Yeah, they are. I I uh, I buy Gaia. Ah, shit. It's Gaia something, and it I comes even, with the. Pre- I know what you're talking about. Don't remember yeah. what it's called either. <laughs> Um, Brad's seen my garden with this stuff. It works amazing. And like they have a whole line full of everything, but like they have a starting soil. And this has, I think, three months worth of nutrients jam packed in that soil. So when you plant um, your specific plant to the soil, because different plants need different things, right? Some need more acidic, where some just needs a balanced soil. Um, you don't touch it, don't do anything. Let it run its three months course and you watch your plant because, again, like Corey said, something in your soil, in your ground, if you're doing it outside, could be throwing off that soil that you gave. But if you're doing it in the house, you can balance it. There's also pH uh, meters if you're doing hydroponics. Again, like the chlorine pool testing things you can get. And that just helps you wash your balance with everything. That would be probably rule number one. What do you – what's in your soil? Because that's the question – yeah, no one really knows what's in your soil other than, like, I don't know, right? Oh, hang on a second. I don't know what's going on in my, my soil unless I test it. It's invisible. And that's actually right? a good and starting point, like you were saying. Like, take your soil and test it. You can break it down into those pool things. You put a little bit of soil with some water, 
and you shake it all up and you add the things in, and it will read it. Like, well, that's actually just going to tell you if you have clay soil, uh, loamy soil, or like silt and then clay and sand. That's a fantastic experiment to do. That'll tell you and exactly it, your 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 breakdown of if you have too much clay, you can add this and that and make it a nice little loom, right? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is that the whole pH balance, that's something that's invisible. You actually have to have a test for that. Um, yeah. Now, adding things to the soil is going to take a lot, right? If you have a, a, a garden and you're, you're just going to be adding things to it, you got to remember you're adding into almost a bottomless pit. Because mm -hmm. when it rains and things, it's going to deplete itself. It's going to wash away. Uh, they'll be percolating down and things of this nature. So everything's going to be washed away. You're going to have to keep adding things in. So it's going to take a bit of time, right? If, you're, if your soil has been bastardized a little bit and hasn't been taken care of, right? So don't think it's just going to happen overnight. Uh, even if you add a couple dump trucks worth of good stuff, eventually, yeah, it'll come to, it'll come to a nice, nice organic matter. But, you know, give it time. That's patience. Gardening is patience. My good trick that I started actually to a uh, year and a half year ago, year ago, what? No, two years ago, actually, uh, I took a smaller Home Depot bucket and I drilled a shit ton of holes in it and I put it right into my garden and I actually, and I kept the lid and I put all my table scraps into that. And I, I put it at the actual corner of my garden away from kind of my plants. And then every year I was just going to pick it up and kind of like shimmy it around to kind of help the garden because my three plots that I made here at a rental, it, it was shit soil. Like it really was. So I've been slowly reworking at it and building it up for the last three years. I even had uh, Pierre, if you're still on, uh, what was that mixture that our neighbors gave us? Cause it was really good quality, deep, rich, soft, like topsoil. It, it grew my plants beautifully. I don't know if you remember either, Brad, but it no, worked that well. Was from the, that was from the guys down uh, close to the 417, right? Yeah, yeah, Cal Calco, I think it was. Calco. Calco yeah. soils. Something. It was a nice, rich, like, topsoil, and it grew everything beautifully. Triple mix. That's what they call it, a Calco. Okay. That, yeah, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it was now, beautiful. That's, that's basically just, just sand, topsoil, and, and a, a, like, a compost material. It'd just be well, which, like, or, organic compost. Which is excellent for vegetables and stuff like that, too. Um, just before I hit the questions, I just want to touch base on the home stuff because uh, I don't That's exactly what up. I was going to say, Dan. Absolutely. <laughs> You'd want to do some like uh, some leafy greens back in there. It'd be something that's mm -hmm. quick and easy. They won't really interfere with the tree and the tree won't interfere with them too much. Uh, and the kale, kale would work. It might actually, the, I wouldn't go with the potatoes so much, but definitely some, uh, some lettuce, le leafy greens, some uh, mescaline, uh, what would it be? Spinach, all that good stuff. They love the shit. clover? Oh, yeah. Clover could grow it. Here's just a weed. Dandelion too. Yep. It's a really good live all, all those uh, will volunteer themselves in mass without question. Yeah. Yeah. Another good household stuff is Epsom salts. I tend to use this with my medical uh, with my marijuana as well. It also helps the seeds germinate, which I've never tried myself, but I mean uh, it helps the plants grow bushier, produces more flowers, increases the chlorophyll, which is a beautiful green color of your plants it also helps deteriorate pests such as slugs and voles which i thought was pretty cool and bananas oh, is yeah. another garden oh, bugs are neat no garden bugs they are. are fantastic they are um bananas uh help with calcium which promote root growth which i mean we want to have that good stable next to our stock uh quick, quick also bananas as in the fruit or the skin skin the skin, skin. 
me it's okay wanted- this is going to be one of those perfect ways to just sort of interject with compost tea now i don't know if anyone knows about compost tea but compost tea is fantastic uh it's not you- really utilized much yeah. Go so no, I was just gonna say, Brad, you've seen it where you've come to my house, and in the picture, I've had a bunch of bananas uh, peels shoved in it, and it, like I'm brewing. I know, I know what, what you're, you're talking about. So yeah. basically, yeah, it's just a, is it yeah. the fruit or is it the skin? And I know it's the skin, just to ask the yeah. question. No, yeah, you eat the fruit, yeah, and then then the skin goes where it belongs. Yeah, and you basically just put it put it into a, a a big jug of water, let it sit there for maybe a week. Uh, you can take that out, throw it in your compost at that point because then it'll break down. All that mm-hmm. water is now filled with a, a nice potassium-rich water, which is essentially just plant food. All right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you could drink it all the same, but it's it's a nice plant food um, that is just going to instantaneously, like, like uh, hydroponics, there's no fighting for those nutrients. The plants can absorb them right away because they're in the water. Uh, no fuss, no muss. And the extra will be put into your soil, increase the yep. potassium in your soil. Bob's your uncle. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. Like you said, it helps with the uh, photosynthesis, and it actually has a lot of magnesium in it. Side note, if you have sore muscles, banana water is good for you too. Um, <laughs> so I guess we've touched base on a lot with cinnamon, which everybody kind of gets the fact that um, accelerates growth, helps with germination, you know, antifungal and stuff like that. Uh, I think we got – okay. So do you want to move into companion planning since we've already covered the, the uh, questions too that I see? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So do you want to touch base on the uh, three sisters? Yeah. Yes. See, oh, okay, the, the... oh there we go. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> so with the quick Perfect. The, the three sisters. All right. Well, it's basically, um, it is what the Native Americans used to plant. Uh, it was a basically a, a symbiotic relationship between three types of plants, which is corn, beans, and squash. All right. So the first thing you'd want to do is you want to plant your corn and uh, you plant your corn as soon as the ground's ready to be worked. And as soon as the corn is about, we'll say three inches, right? At, out, out of the ground, you plant your beans. All right. A week after that, you want to plant your squash. You want now, the all, beans to germinate? Up you want, yet, no, or? yeah, no, you, you want the corn and you then want you want to plant, yeah, plant the beans and, and then a week later, plant the squash. The beans will not take time. They will go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. they're gonna go. So d- don't worry about them. They'll do what they got to do. So the whole theory is here. It's a nice. It's a nice symbiotic relationship between these these three plants because the corn, right, which takes a lot of nutrients out of the soil. It, it's a it's a heavy eater. It's gonna mm-hmm. rise up at out of the soil. The beans, which are a nitrogen fixer, all right, they're gonna help bring nitrogen back into the soil for the corn. So for while the they grow up, it, no, and then the, the beans actually use the corn as something to crawl up. So they're using yeah. it as a stock to crawl. As a and then while the squash is growing, those giant leaves that are growing on the squash, they're going to act as sort of a, a weed suppressor. And they're also going to keep the, the soil from losing a lot of the moisture. Okay. So the it's tree. almost acting like, yeah, it's acting like a hat. Ground ah. cover. Okay. Uh, so that's basically the, the, how it works. Now, all of these things would be harvested at basically the same time. Okay, so you'd have your, 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 your beans, your corn, and your squash, your winter squash, whether it be pumpkins, uh, acorn squash, whatever. All these things mm-hmm. would be harvested at the same time. And there is a, a, big, a big push into companion planting because uh, all of these things working together, they helped each other. They were benefiting each other. They were giving back to each other all for the sake of uh, saving space, right, mm-hmm. and, and working within the time frame that you had. 
So I plant so my for, corn. So for Mark's, Mark's question there, he's kind of wondering. Oh, best varieties. Would love to know the best variety. Okay, um, best variety you're looking at for, for corn, you'd want to just do a nice hearty corn. I mean, in, in Canada. Sweet corn? Yeah, sweet corn, peaches and cream. Uh, oh, I love peaches and none cream. Yet. I mean, if you want to, by all means, fill your boots, do some ornamental stuff. You don't have to that. sit by and, and live by the uh, by the rules of the book. You don't Indian have to corn. eat the stuff that you plant. Yeah, exactly. The 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 gems, those little gem yeah, corns. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to do anything that they say like, oh, well, you have to eat it. No, you don't. You can make jewelry out of it. It doesn't matter, right? I uh, and then from there, you have. I have pink popcorning popcorn or corn. So yes, I will, yeah. Legitimately, when you pop it, it'll go pink. Exactly. And then you have yeah. your beans, right? Now, beans, it all depends on what's your preference. Are you looking for uh, big? Fruit. Yeah, well, are, are you looking for uh, chili beans? Are you looking for beans Black that you beans. put in? Exactly. So that's that goes back to whatever you want. For me to tell you what the best variety for you is to grow in your garden, that would be a bit much for me to do. So it all depends on what you want to grow. Now, obviously, you'd want runner beans. You want climbers, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. But it all goes back to what you want, yellow, green, if you want uh, the, the broader size beans or if you want string beans, the world's your oyster at that point. You pick whatever the, that you feel you need to do. Same with the squashes or, or the, the peppos. If, if you need to grow anything, you know, you want to be pumpkin that you would eat or use as a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. So, or, or say if you, if you even want gourds. Right? You don't have yeah. to sit there and plant squash. You can plant decorative gourds like Caveman's Club. You can plant these little... Um, what do they call the like, little shepherd hook ones that I, I can't, the name evades me right now, but nothing says that you have to eat everything that you grow. A lot of these things can be used as decoration, yeah. right? And a lot of these things are, are it's just practice too. You don't, uh, if you're growing something, it should be fun. If you're growing anything and it's a stressful hassle, do you really want to do it? And that's right? the whole point about Make it fun. planting. Make it fun for you. Yeah, and that's the whole point Mix of companion planning, right? Yeah. Is the fact of, of just letting your garden kind of do on its own, so you don't necessarily need to add the, uh, you know, any pesticides or not sorry pesticides, but like, uh, well, yeah, pesticides or you know stuff to get rid of the pest or um, what's the thing, fertilizer or nutrients. You kind of let it go and do it on its own. It's almost like wildflowers, like a big meadow, yeah. right? Type of concept. Because like when you plant broccoli, like when especially like you know that that's going to be one of your first things that you throw in to your garden to get started. You know, it grows well with tomatoes, lettuce, cabbage, and cucumber, onion, and dill, for example. Well, while you're growing your broccoli, throw in like at least one per one plant per whatever just for your broccoli or however many broccolis you're gonna make so that you can surround your plant with that in the level that it can it, it can help, right? Oh, that's, any, any bit will help, especially if you're doing, especially like companion planting is that it's there for that reason. It's to either eliminate pests, uh, increase the flavor, or increase pollinators. Okay, yeah. so you're always it, it's always that relationship where they're either giving something or they're helping with something. If they're going to be fighting each other the whole time, they're not really companions. Now, are they? So it, it's you got to pay attention, and that just goes back to again, watch your garden. Yeah. Your garden will tell you everything you need to know because I can tell you right now, if you have squash. Uh, they will pretty much take over your garden. They they just love to crawl and they, they love to eat everything. Okay, so they're not really friends <laughs> with much of anything other than than you know the the big ones that come out of the ground. 
And the one well, thing I gotta say with this, the the whole like squash, whether it's pump, like especially with pumpkin, because I've tried to grow yes. pumpkin and done the three sisters. Um, once it's put its roots in, like you can you can designate where your plant's gonna go, but once it's put that main root in, because as it grows like a vein, it puts its roots in and every whatever. Once you lift that, it will die off. That is what I found well, because I tried it. to. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I tried to manipulate it too. Far, too far along in the game and I've actually killed my plant off and then here comes the um, those stupid beetles and then here comes those uh, the ones that ah excuse me my name the borer yeah the vine borer and then I get the pesty mildew that comes on it too like yeah. you honestly put your plant in so much shock so when you're planning out your uh, garden and you're doing all this stuff Take one thing, like let's let's say for example, what do I got here on here? We'll use we'll use cannabis. Um, so you you want to grow a cannabis plant? Well, you, you know that using cannabis a lot here. Are you used trying to tell us something? <laughs> you guys wanted me to come on and talk about it anyway. So here's a preview. Uh, pre I I mean tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> um, like with cannabis, you know, you can use lavender, chamomile, dill, yarrow, mar marigold, lemon ba balm, basil. So w what I tend to do is obviously you want to figure out how big your plant's going to get. You want it because you don't want to suffocate your, your cannabis because that is your main plant, right? So that's your main whatever, but you do want to protect it. And just like Darius said, and just like Brad said, like, you know, if you're not careful, dill will take over your yard or mint will take over your yard. Chamomile, my God, will take over your yard. You know, but like when you grow all these together, I've never had a pest infestation when it came to my medical cannabis or any of my plants. Oh, I shouldn't say any of my plants. I want to go with medical cannabis because most of the time I grow is because of that. Um, but I haven't gotten like the aphids. I haven't gotten any other pests or whatever because I always companion plant. And like every year I always tell my friends, if you can't, if you, if there's one plant that you can put into the ground with your cannabis, it's got to be marigolds. Oh, I don't do that with my cannabis. I just plant them in a row. <laughs> I've always, I've never had to treat my plants for anything. No mold, no mildew, no, none of that stuff or any bugs or anything. Like I always wash my cannabis too at the end of the year to make sure that I'm not inhaling anything that I miss. But, you know, and it's just, it's so cool that all these plants can do stuff like this, you know, like yep. it, 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 like, you know, like dill, dill helps attract not only uh, ladybugs, which actually will kill the aphids, but like it'll attract prey mantises and wasps and deteriorate. Like, you know, no aphid wants to come around that or cabbage moth because they're like, what the hell? <laughs> or deer, um, deer don't. Oh, go ahead. Deer, that's it. Deer, deer, especially. It's, and those are the things too. Like everyone can talk about all the, the, you know, the bugs and the mites and things like that. You got to worry about the big ones too, like the rabbits and the deer. Yeah. Right. Because those things are just as much of a pest, and they will annihilate your garden overnight. At least your if you, local you neighbor? Go, yeah, it will. If you if you go out and you see some some bugs, you might have at least a day or two to get on top of it. If yeah. you go out in the middle of the night and a deer has found your garden, goodbye garden. Yes. <laughs> yeah, or a pesky neighbor. I mean, you know. Yeah, or I, yeah. I was just gonna say <laughs> that the, the two legged the two legged pests are usually the worst. Yeah. Yeah. True enough. So the the best thing I can suggest on my end or whatever is to just honestly sit down, take your measurements of the plot you want to. Um, <laughs> I agree. With, I, I agree with you, Pierre. I really do. <laughs> and then you can put them in the slow cooker. Mmm, hot and pepper. But the best thing you can do is take your take whatever plot you're going to do and you measure it out. I have three individual plots and one really big one in the back. So I like in the back, I tend to line it up with the corn and, you know, do the three sisters back there. Cause it's a lot easier. Plus it acts as a privacy fence. 
Um, but break down what you have, figure out what your family is going to want to eat. So if you're just someone that that's wants a big to, one. Yeah. If you, if you're a family that say like only one person needs broccoli, well grow two things of broccoli. Cause you're not going to, not everybody's going to eat it. Or, you know, if you're just wanting to grow, to learn, I, I tell, I su honestly suggest you just start with the herbs because you will, every herb kind of has its own little thing and you'll get the taste of kind of almost what you want when you're getting into like the vegetable area of things, if that makes sense. Oh, and they smell fantastic. They do. Oh, and all, again, they, are, they all smell fantastic. And they're, they're, there's municipal properties, which again, we have a, we have an episode that touch, lightly touches that too, that I've done for you sure, guys. They just smell fantastic. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they really do. But and, uh, don't no, I was just going to mention with the Colorado beetle there. That's pretty much the only defense you got against them. I mean, uh, if you don't want to use anything, um, really what would dangerous. it be like, like actual like chemical? The only thing you can really do is a like a pail of soap and water. Uh, knock them all in as best you can. Make sure you look under the leaves. Those little suckers like to hide under the leaves. If you see any little orange eggs. That's going to be the rip the whole leaf off and just, just toss it. Just throw it in, in the bucket all the same. Once you're done, bring it out to the driveway, dump them out and tap dance. That's the only and, way, the only way it's going to happen. And I've always heard that sunlight soap is the best. Well, the only reason why it's sunlight soap is it breaks the surface tension of the water. So once you get, they get knocked in, they fall. They just sink right in. They drown. Now me, better. I like to make sure they're super dead. So once they're out of the water, I bring them over and I step on them because they're literally a pain in my ass. And then because they, they chickens, just won't right? go away. Once once they're there, they're there until you get rid of them or they can no longer reproduce. That's sort of the deal. Yeah. And, and hopefully that, your neighbor and yeah, and then if your neighbor brings some home, you got to start all over again. Yeah. Well, then you just feed them to your chickens when you're done, Corey. That's all. They don't like it. They have they have no? this oil on them. No, they, there's this oil that they excrete. They don't like them. They then mm. you'll see it when once you knock them in the water, it looks like they're covered in gas. Wow! Really? That's yeah, they cool. got that 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 wavy That's water good. thing going on. Yep. Wow! That's good. Well, I mean, I just learned just where a heads up. I just learned yeah, where shellac thanks. comes from. I just learned where shellac comes from, so I'm a little worried to even know where that's going to be used <laughs> as. It's the <laughs> shell of a beetle, and it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> or the shit of the beetle, more or less. <laughs> But yeah, so I mean, again, just just pre-plan, color code shit, get over organized with it, just have fun with it. If you accidentally, yep. oh, the one thing I gotta suggest though, do not plant your peppers and your and your tomatoes close together because they will fight for whatever in your garden. And uh, Corey will know this more than I will. Do not mix your peppers together if you're doing hot peppers. Oh, sweet shit. Your hot, yeah, do your <laughs> hot peppers in one and do your normal peppers yeah. in another. Because everything will turn hot. Oh no! It's when you think that you don't have a hot pepper and you rub your eye, and you were wrong. You know, <laughs> you know, you're wrong. It's, and it's one of those. Things. Yeah, it's what they were supposed to be. Is sweet. It's not sweet. That stings just thinking yeah. about that. So it's labeling is key. Very important. Yeah. And the other thing is too is really do your research to make sure that whatever you're planting close to something that it doesn't retain that taste. Because the last thing you want to do is eat something and it tastes like flower perfume, not, you know, a savory taste like you're expecting. Because that does happen. Yeah, it tastes like gum sometimes. So, so <laughs> tasting broccoli isn't good? Uh, no, broccoli I mean, isn't good. 
There is nothing in the world that can make Brussels sprouts taste good. No, nope, nope, they're oh, alien eggs to me. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. Bacon nope. grease and bacon. Uh, uh, I don't know. In, <laughs> that would make it worse. Absolutely. <laughs> so anyways, I, bacon grease? Oh my God, they're so fantastic. Yeah. I've got a question for you on garden placement. So I'll use the example of my place. Uh, my backyard is probably 85 percent shade in the summer it's um, i live kind of a bit in the woods and there's trees my front yard um is open until about maybe one o'clock in the afternoon and then the shade starts to to creep in on the so where would be the best place to i i'm i'm really thinking my front yard's kind of probably the only spot but anywhere that gets six hours of sun Minimum. That, that is, yeah, minimum. That is going to be your spot for the garden. Now, that's not saying you can't have a shade garden. I mean, if, you, uh, if you're in your back uh, and your back is completely all shaded, those would be a spot for uh, cauliflower, cabbage, uh, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, things of uh, like lettuce. Uh, too much sun for, for lettuce will just make it bolt right away. You'll have it for maybe a week and then it's, it's past due. You got to replant it again. All right, that's, that's an it's exaggeration, but it's, it, it'll happen fast. Okay, if it's in the shade, you'll have a chance to actually get out there, enjoy some butter crunch, right? And uh, after that, it's it's sort of just replace as needed. But you're going to need the sun, otherwise you're not going to get anything. Your your tomatoes will just be big green, uh, bushy things of leaves with no fruit. Mm-hmm. So, so your sun that the, the sun is key. You're going to need six hours minimum. Uh, the more the better. So if you're saying you'll you get it till one o'clock. I'd say your front yard is going to be the spot for the garden. Okay. Next dumb question and dairy no such thing. It in there, but I was going to, but I was going to ask the same thing. What if it's a wide open field and there's no trees, there's no shade and it's sun from sunrise to sunset. They'll love it. Okay. That's, that's the whole thing. The, the more, once the, those plants are hardened off, once they're in the ground and once they're acclimatized to the area that they're in more sun, the better because nothing will compare to mother's milk nothing ever unless okay? there's shade 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 warning plants yeah but that's 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 the whole other topic of conversation if you're looking for plants that need sun if it's 30 degree heat and it's 10 to 12 hours right the only thing you're gonna have to worry about is making sure those plants don't die of dehydration you're gonna and need some- water and some plants also like to be fed or fertilized or even watered at night versus well, that's just what you should be doing you should be doing it first thing in the morning or at nighttime that's just going to eliminate evaporation it's going to increase uh again deep water growth or deep deep water sub penetration uh which is deep root growth uh if you're watering during the day when it is 30 degrees right you're actually going to be doing more damage to your plants because there's a chance that those little those little droplets of water on your leaves that you leave on the leaves they can act magnifying. as a little magnifying glass and they'll burn your plants Okay. If you if you spray on the leaves and there's any diseases and things on the leaves uh, during the day, you're going to be spreading them out a little bit better, right? At nighttime when it's dormant, you get under those leaves. You can actually enjoy it because you're not sweating. It's not 30 yeah. degrees. You can get actually water your plants thoroughly. They will get a nice water, and you're not competing with the sun or the heat or the humidity, all all of that stuff. You're just avoiding all that. So either do it first thing in the morning or uh, right when the sun goes down and you feel that break in the air. Uh, so plants, yeah, well, you'd, you always want to face it to where north to south, 
Okay. Now the reason for that, if you're planting east to west, if you have uh, a really big plant at the front, so say you're growing your tomatoes at the front and the sun comes up, all of that is being shaded. Okay. But if you're growing north to south, everything, because the sun goes east to west, right? So as it goes over, everything in that row is getting equal amount of sun. If that makes sense. In, in, in your mind's eye, just picture that. If you have, if you have a row of, of really tall corn, basically from, you know, first thing in the morning, six, seven, eight, all of these plants are going to be shaded because of the corn. Mm -hmm. And then once it gets over, if you have bigger plants over on the backside, right? If you have tomatoes and, and all, all of these plants now are going to be shaded for the last three, four hours. So but if you go east to west every, or north to south, everything gets the even amount of sun the, the entire way across the sky. Now, that's just the rule of thumb. Uh, again, if you can't do that, you don't have to worry about it. There's no, nothing is written in stone. It's just these are things that people have, have tried. They know that it works the best, but they also know sometimes you're just, you're limited by what you can do. So if you have to plant north to south, do it. If going east to west only gives you three rows, but going north to south will give you, you know, two really long rows, do it. You never know. Actually, going north to south might be better. And you just have to readjust your whole garden process to maybe put um, the, the lower growing things on the east side and then the taller growing things on the, the west side because the morning sun is, is what's ideal. And, uh, the, the plants, I don't know what it is. They thrive on the morning sun. They love it. The, uh, the afternoon sun, I think they've had enough of it. They're ready for a break. They just want to go to bed, right? So, you know, again, it's all about trial and error. This whole thing, this whole gardening thing is just a big science experiment. And if you treat it as anything other than such, if you treat it as a job or you treat it as, um, a, you know, this is going to be for survival, that's fantastic. That's a good way to put in the back of your mind. But at the end of the day, it's all a science experiment because there's so many variables that are involved to sit there and say, there's only one way to do it. That's, that's nonsense. Yes, Pierre. But yes, you're right, Corey. You could, yeah, you could do that. <laughs> it's all a science. Well, no, what's funny is if, if, if you do have a problem with, with deer and things like that, your urine is actually, it'll smell like a predator's urine. So it will actually keep them at bay. Until they get used to you. Yeah, well, that's yeah, that's, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Oh. So D Darius is asking there that he's got a crap ton of snow on his yard, and is there anything Excellent. he can do now to help promote the soil nutrient levels as the snow melts? What the snow is doing, okay, it's the same as when it rains and there's a thunderstorm. Whenever there's a lightning storm, I start laughing with, with just absolute glee because that is when you're getting all the, the, the nutrients from the air and the, the lightning's ripping apart all these atoms and then the rain's bringing all those good bits back down to earth. That's basically all what... the ions. Exactly. And that's what the snow is doing now. The snow can't freeze to anything that's not... That's, it has to have a particle or, or an imperfect object. So you're looking at dust, sand, whatever the case may be. All of that now is starting to fall back down. If you have a foot of snow on your garden, you have a foot of collected debris that's going to now settle and start sort of percolating down into your soil. It's going to be in, in micro doses, right? But all of that snow that you have is essentially just a capsule of, of goodness dropped down to you. And now you just have to wait. That's why every year when all the leaves on the trees fall around, we rake them right into the back garden 
and we let the snow hit it and everything else, and then we bug our buddy Brad to go bug his buddy, and we get a till, and we mix it all in there, and just help the cycle keep going. Honestly, best thing to do is get get a drum and a weed eater, um, fill up your bucket with any leaves that fall, and mulch them up, hit them hard, mm-hmm. turn them into little pieces of confetti, and you throw that into any garden bed you have, you, you're going to hear earthworms cheering your name. <laughs> So it's always a good thing. N- another question that um, just popped up to me, and it 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 sparks some controversy, I think, in some people. What are your thoughts on till versus no till gardens? Aha! Uh-huh. I love. Well, I love. I personally <laughs> love both. I personally love me, both. Yeah. There's there's. Oh well, see, this is this is the weird thing about humans, right? We get stuck in a way of doing something, so we think it's the only way to do something. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about tilling, right, um, what I like to look at it as the, the earth has a layer of skin, okay? And we are, every time you till, you're basically, you know, scraping that layer of skin. You're allowing things in, right, which is bacteria, whatever the case may be. So that makes sense on the scientific standpoint. Now, uh, it makes it harder to deal with, okay, growing your plants and things like that. On a, what would it be, a, a sub-level? So anyone who just wants to try gardening, till your garden, right? There's there's no reason to not till your garden because I get people don't have the time to understand um, Hugo culture or hill culture or slow-release fertilizers or mounding. All of these things that take time, they take space, okay? Mm-hmm. If you do want to do a no-till, that's a fantastic way to go about it. It's a little bit of a process to get there. But that's why tilling is, it's still king. It's still king because it's so simple, right? I can just have a shovel, dig a hole, plant a seed, walk away. What's the problem with that? It's easy. And I can do that over and over and over again. If I have 50 seeds, I dig 50 holes. and Or I just till it. I till a line and I, I have that. And then I just weed everything else in between. Didn't, no you, do till- the no. Didn't you do the no-till? Or you're well, experimenting I, with something I like have that? a no-till garden just because mm-hmm. I am letting my grass slowly decompose. I have a woven fabric, which I use as a weed suppressor. Um, and again, this, this was a perfect example where you're saying uh, till or no-till, right? I was under the impression that you can only till. Uh, you're, you're making a garden. You have, you have to break soil, right? Mm-hmm. The, the plants grow in soil. You got to break soil. No. That's where I was stuck in the old ways. I went and I started reading on just, just some books about weed suppression. And in my, my mind, I was starting to think, well, if I just cover the lawn, all these roots and all the grass and everything that's in between are going to break down. They're going to create organic matter, which is basically just a fertilizer for my soil. Yeah. So I do a no-till garden by woven fabric. It's not the, like the, the ideal sense of where it's just a hill. And then uh, you sort of just plant stuff in the hill and you let it go. This is like a woven fabric where you drill holes, you plant your seed or your seedlings, uh, and they they grow unabated. All the rain that you collect isn't wasted on weeds. It's literally going to the soil to either break down, uh, feed my microbes, or feed my plant. Okay? Um, And this is one of those things where I tell people, it's I personally have no time to weed. Weeding a garden sucks. It People say it's therapeutic and, oh, it's nice to be outside. No, it's not. It's nice to be outside, but I have other things I want to do than pull weeds from around my tomatoes. 
Yeah. So th this was a, a giant time saver for me. And I started with uh, just one roll of, of woven fabric and it was about a 30 by 30. I'm now up to about a 75 by 75 garden. Damn. Okay, I, I can plant 1,500 plants in my garden and I don't spend a day weeding, not one. So where, where can you get this fabric? It seems everybody talks about Home Depot. I don't know yeah, why. Home, but. Oh, there, there's Home Depot. There's, uh, if, if, you look, if you look and you time it right, Amazon can be your friend because you can get it on a, a good deal there. And it's, that's one of those things too where you try to plan ahead. I mean, uh, you try not to give the conglomerate as much money as you would. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the product that's the cheapest and they're going to get my money because I don't like to spend money. What's this uh, product just, called? Oh, dear Lord. Um, I just know it's called woven fabric. It's just, it's like landscape fabric, okay? Geotextile. But it's got, but it's got to be woven. It can't be that geotextile stuff that'll fray off. and It has to be able to allow the uh, the rain to percolate down. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's one of those things because people have asked me, should I get the fabric or the woven fabric? The fabric is great for holding stuff back in ditches. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So you the, want the weed the suppressor fabric. is the woven fabric. Yes. And there's a I've I found a process that went with it. It worked really well for me, uh, where you basically just burn a hole, uh, basically a, a foot apart, which is uh, I guess it lends into square foot planting. Mm -hmm. Okay, square foot gardening. So I basically put a hole every foot. So now I can plant anything I want. There's there's no uh, limitations to what I can't plant, because everything needs at least one square foot. Mm-hmm. So this is good for the companion planting too with the three systems. Oh yes, there was uh, what I did last year was I had uh, two rows of my tomatoes, and in the middle of those rows was uh, a, a complete row of basil. So I had fifty tomato plants and fifty basil plants, and they were just lined perfectly. Pollinators loved them. The bees were all up in the basil, and then they'd be going to the tomatoes. Uh, after that, there was the squash. So the the squash was running around, uh, doing what they had to do, being completely. Uh, un unabated by everything else, it was. Mm -hmm. It's it is a perfect setup, and it's one of those things that people should look into, especially if you hate weeding. I hate weeding. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, they're good processes to do, and even you can honestly walk in your backyard and just sprinkle seeds if you wanted to. Like yep. in all honesty, it, they will grow. If you ever sit there and watch a bird feeder, and the birds picking at it, next thing you know, you're seeing little like sunflowers grow and stuff. That's right there the no-till growing at, at like the simplest form and in yeah in in the the lamest of terms absolutely and that's probably how they figured it out i mean they just okay. watch nature and they realize that a bear shit or a you know a bird came by he picked up a blueberry shit out a blueberry and then a blueberry started to grow well uh, i'm going to try and do that less that stage and i'm just going to grab it and plant it exactly it, it's good like yeah and then, you know, to organize your seeds and stuff like that, too, you can go get yourself, like, a, a photo book that has the inserts for the uh, photos. Sorry, I just moved myself when I was trying to put the camera on. But, you know, like the old, what is it, 5 by 7s you can slide your seed packets in there. There's also uh, Michael's cell, like, uh, uh, organizers. You can just collect it. So you know when your seeds start. You can even organize it in those organizers or per photo book. Like, okay, this is the ones I start. And within this, when I do my broccoli, you can even put your companion plants in that. So you know every year when you go to grow your bro broccoli that all these other plants go along with it. 
and then you go to the next one, the next one. So make it make it so simple that it's almost stupid. Like you don't have to think about it. That it's just no thought. Mm-hmm. It okay. goes a long way, not having to think. Mm-hmm. And some plant. <laughs> and keep in mind that some plants throughout your garden should be rotated, and some of them is recommended oh, to keep that's... keep growing in the same plots because of whatever they do. Yeah, that's important as well. Yeah, crop rotation. Yeah. So. And uh, a few th- places that I do get my seeds from, actually, sorry, give me, I do buy the McKenzie seeds, but I find that going through such a big corporation like that, it's kind of worth, as I zip away, it's kind of worthless. So I've been actually ordering from the Incredible Seed Company, and where's my other one, sorry, uh, Salt Spring Seeds. Have been the two. Oh no, I have another one too for my tobacco seeds. Where did I get this one from? Uh, Greta's Organic Gardens, and this one's out of Ottawa, actually. So I've been trying to keep my seeds really local and close by and stuff because I noticed that the ones with the um, big corporation grows, I find that they don't grow really well, and they have all the crap in them, anyways. So that I find, anyways, I just try and keep things local and from all the small little growers. Kind of like someone like Corey who knows how to like take their plants and put them into seeds. Because you're always going to get the best genetics out of it. Especially if you can get the Harlooms. The Harlooms is like the, the key. And that's very tricky though. It's one of those things too. Because you have to make sure that your the seeds that you grow, right? They could be contaminated. Uh, not in the sense of not being good, but they won't be pure. Right? Yeah. So if I, if I have two types of beefsteak tomatoes, um, they, they could actually just sort of mutate and you won't have the same plant next year. You'll you'll have the same basic tomato, but they won't be the exact same replica or um, clone of, of the plant that once was. Okay. Now, if you can get those things and you can isolate them into like a little chamber where um, there's no variables or, or whatever, and you might have to self pollinate, but then for, for that, you're guaranteeing yourself um, perfect genetics of that plant. The seeds that you save will be the exact clone, the exact replica, the exact same as the uh, the plant that you just you just grew. Uh, yeah. That that being said, be careful with peppers. Um, same idea. If you grow sweet peppers next to hot peppers, the hot peppers could potentially turn your sweet peppers hot next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because of what so, it leaves by yeah. the soil. Yeah. So if I'm growing a bell pepper next to a jalapeno or a cayenne. And a bee lands on the cayenne, then goes to pollinate my bell. That bell will be fine this year. <laughs> but if I save the seeds from that bell and I plant them next year, I'm going to have a spicy bell. Potentially. Yeah. Okay. So there's always that chance for, for crossbreeding. Um, for and next generation. Just, exactly. So finding a way to get pure seed. And that's why it's very important to spread your seeds out and know mm-hmm. what you're planting. Right. Because it's it's almost impossible in this day and age now for anyone to, uh, especially if you're in the city, to plant something. And if your neighbor's planting something, well, you're foobard, right? You're pretty much up the creek before it even starts. Because you can't tell them, oh, don't plant any spicy peppers. I don't like spicy food. That's not going to go over well with anybody <laughs> ever. And you, no. and you could do it yourself too. Like You could legitimately be caring for your, your hot peppers and go to care for your sweet and now you've personally transferred it from one to the other. So you got to be really careful with that. And that, that goes for a lot of other plants too. And yeah, oh, Jeff, I'll bring you back to All cannabis. Right. Same thing. If you touch your male plant and go to your female, now you got a hermaphrodite. Now your medicine is kind of garbage. 
So, yeah. hmm. right, but then just Already. a rule of thumb, rule of thumb to, to just some people. Last thing, real quick, just remember, folks. Sometimes it's easier to buy seeds. Okay, mm-hmm. carrots are a big, big, big one for that. The amount of time it takes to actually make sure your carrots uh, will go to seed and will not uh, be poisonous. <laughs> It's just by just by the carrot. That I didn't know. So me well, cutting the top off and me letting it sprout to seed. If there is any Queen Anne's lace anywhere around, you you shouldn't do that. Good to know. Okay. And that that's why it's just easier. I mean, you can absolutely. People have they've chanced it, but just the uh, the the chance that right, it's going to create the, the the seeds to be a little more uh, not ripe, hardy, poisonous, not not good. That's not Ew. good. Okay. Yeah. But again, that goes yet, back to cross cross contamination, right? It's just one of those things. Yeah. And yes, Pierre, and you can post it on your only pan only fans page too. Well, I guess uh, we're an hour and a half in. So, uh, and I mean, it's been a good hour and a half. Lots <laughs> oh, of good yeah. information there. So, do we want to move on to the podcast challenge? We might as well. We can always do a part two. Yeah. We got time. So <laughs> your your podcast challenge for this week is start collecting the seeds that you want to grow and plan out your garden. Hey, excellent choices. Color coat. Uh, we don't really have anything for uh, upcoming events that that I'm aware of. If anybody's got anything they know, speak up quick. No, my um, wedding in March. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, overexcited. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so oh, come on. just a bit of info on the weather blurb. I'll keep it short. Uh, winter's finally arrived in most of Canada. Uh, the polar vortex that I talked about the last um, podcast is expected to intensify over the next week. It could bring uh, very cold temperatures across most of the country. Uh, modeling or model guidance is hinting that on Friday night, I think you mentioned that earlier, Melissa, uh, the 4th of February, uh, a lot of places, including the Golden Horseshoe, Toronto, and that, can expect temperatures to hit around minus 20 without the wind chill. Mm-hmm. So uh, that could be the coldest nighttime low since the winter of 2014-2015. So make sure you've got your uh, your woolies out. Don't start <laughs> your garden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, deal of the week, Brad. Um. I was uh, actually at a home hardware this week for work and uh, I was talking with the owner. They have uh, a good deal going on a tri-fuel Thurman generator with natural gas, regular gas, or propane. Um, They've got it on right now for, oh my God, and I just screwed that up. Everyone's watching. Twelve ninety nine ninety seven down from $14.99. It's a pretty good solid name generator. Three different types of fuel for it. Um, the manager that I was talking to said he has sold five or six of them over the last two years to, uh, to some pretty good people, and they have all come back with good reviews. That's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a firm and try or a, Dual fuel is my uh, my secondary generator. So they, uh, um, they they've got one there as well. That's a dual fuel, and I'm looking at it pretty hard to to go get that. Yep. 
so shout outs. I'll do a shout out to Corey and uh, the Pierre, not Pierre, uh, for, <laughs> for coming on and uh, putting their wealth and their knowledge to us for planting and, and stuff like that. I think we're going to have to have a part two on this for sure um, at some point. Anybody else has any uh, shout outs they want to put out there? Oh, I want to shout out to Pierre for, you know, that whole beard loss thing. I love you and I'm sorry. <laughs> you still look good. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, we have no email or iTunes reviews that anybody's popped in. So uh, saying that, I am going to bring uh, episode 193 of the Canadian Prepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbeam, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Uh, please help us out. Submit a review. It helps other people find us. And we record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper Podcast, and click the notifications tab. It'll give you an alert when we're going live. You can contact me if you want to at batbradcpp. Sorry, batbradcpp at gmail.com. If you want to get if you want to get a hold of me, you can reach me obviously at anything with off the wall, whether it's the tickety talk or our Gmail at off the wall uh, customizing at gmail.com. Uh, personally, you can find me under uh, Melissa Outlay under all social medias if you really want to get a hold of personally me. All right, take a gander, CC squared back to basics gardening. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you in the gardens. Keep it real. All right. If anybody wants to reach me, uh, you can send to uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca or uh, post something up on the uh, Discord. I'm frequently there. Uh, if you want to uh, reach Eric, you could uh, check him out or reach out to him at Rapid Survival at rapidsurvival.com. Uh, catch him on the live chat if he's not uh, taking care of the family. Uh, he can also be reached at uh, feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. So thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe, and keep learning. Mm -hmm.